and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Welcome back to the Dreamcast. In today's episode, I am interviewing somebody who basically experiences success in everything that he does. He has experienced success as an online marketer, as a Christian music executive, a convention promoter, podcaster, and is currently a top earner in a leading network marketing company. He has a vast array of knowledge, and whatever he touches seems to turn to gold. And it's because of his hard work, his focus. He's basically a goal getter. Uh, I met him because of his podcast, The Courage Cast. And I'm excited for you to hear his story of not only how he's been able to experience success in the business world, but also within his family. He lives with his wife, Chrissy, and their three children in Franklin, Tennessee. So big Dreamcast, welcome to Eric Nordoff. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Denise. Yay. All right. Well, I know we've talked several times this week and I had an opportunity to be on your podcast, which is the Courage Cast, which I just love your name. Uh, and we were actually referred to each other through a mutual friend, Mary Beth. And she was hearing a bit about what the Dreamcast was all about and what I'm working on. And she said, Oh my gosh, you have got to meet Eric. And so we connected this week and I can tell you it was it lit a fire in me and I was just so grateful to get to know you. And now I'm excited to hear a bit more of your story because I know you've done a lot. Like <laughs> you do a lot of really, really <laughs> cool things. So um, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and how you got there. Well, I you lit a fire in me this week as well. Um, I, I have to just tell you, since you came on the on my podcast on Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday. Yeah, um, you just a few days ago. I have downloaded the Earl Nightingale uh, book that you recommended, The mm -hmm. Strangest Secret, and I've listened to it uh, three times already since then, three days in a row, and absolutely love it. It's really, really changed changed my thinking and and made me aware of what I'm thinking about. So I want to thank you first of all before we even you know dive into my story. Um, your your, your story and your recommendation is impacting my story. Awesome. That is good to hear. Yes. When your mind is blown, you're like, oh my gosh, everybody needs to hear this. <laughs> yes. All right. Exactly. So and I've told I've shared it with a lot of people too. Awesome. Awesome. Well I'm I'm glad you took action on that. Um, so you, yeah. where do you live now? Are you in Tennessee, Georgia? I'm in Nashville, Nashville, okay. Nashville, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. So, um, I moved here in m the mid nineties to, to start working in the music industry. That okay. was my, that was my goal and dream 20 years ago. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, my wife and I, which is Mary Beth's sister, um, uh, we met in uh, because we both wanted to work in the music industry. Now she is incredibly talented, a uh, singer songwriter, and she came here to pursue her dream to be a songwriter, uh, really to be a, a, an artist. And then she realized she had this gift for songwriting, which is really kind of flourished and bloomed. So I've been grateful to see that sort of happen. But for me, I moved here because I wanted to do a bunch of things. I wanted to work in the music industry at both as a piano player. I have an instrumental series that that I um, have composed and arranged and released. It's called Quiet Time, Quiet Time Music. And it's just a very peaceful, relaxing piano with some strings music. Um, a lot of it is original, but some of it's known songs. But um, I'm moved here with that passion to, to record albums and record music. And I'm grateful I was able to do that. But I also had a business skill. And um, my father had me listening to Dale Carnegie books and, uh, you know, Brian Tracy books when I was 18, 19 years old. Um, my, my father would recommend these. He was a salesperson. And I, um, you know, had just when I was 16, I took the Dale Carnegie uh, Public Speaking and Human Effectiveness course, and it really, really 
gave me a lot of confidence. I'd, for 12 weeks, I'd go in there and I was the 16-year-old boy hanging out with these adults in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s who were learning to speak in public for the very first time. And I was grateful. I was able to, while my brain was still forming, you know, developing, I was able to kind of have this in my brain when I was 16 years old and form this skill at that age. And that really, that really impacted me. Oh my goodness. I can imagine not only was your dad somebody who was a growth mindset and learning and growing and reading and challenging himself and staying in a a place of abundance and growth, right? So you're seeing that played out in life, but then you also had the ability to go in and learn it firsthand yourself at such a young age. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, really impactful. I don't even remember fighting him on it. Like I, my, my boys, I started talking to them about doing the same thing and I got a big fight from them, but, but I don't remember fighting with my dad about it. I, I just thought, okay, well, this is something that I think if he recommends it, I'll, I'll do it. And, and I tried it and I really enjoyed it. I learned a, a lot of great skills, uh, became very comfortable speaking in front of others. And more than that, I felt very comfortable relating to others. I, I was able to to ask good questions and learn that, that I should take an interest in other people. And the more I take an interest in other people in a sincere way, the more it's going to benefit me in my life. And that's where that was rooted in and reading the, you know, how to win friends and influence people uh, was one of the best books that I've ever read in terms of just self-improvement. And uh, so, so I kind of came to Nashville with this desire to go for my dreams and that I also had some business skill and savvy in communicating with, with other people. So, um, so that's kind of what brought me here and what, where I was at 23 years old when I first arrived here. Okay. So you get there, you've got these big dreams, these big hopes, you're 23, the world's your oyster. Was it as easy as you thought? (laughs) Um, no, it wasn't. When I first got here, I started dealing with my my fears. I started dealing with uh, with things that I hadn't realized before. First of all, the people here are incredibly talented, creative people. So I was in, I was so intimidated by how good a quality these musicians were that I just was not really in their league in terms of talent from a from a piano playing talent. But I still that I didn't let that just kind of you know, determine my destiny. I still ended up producing my own instrumental piano. I've, I've sort of found my niche in that space and and loved it. I'm grateful I was able to record 10 albums, but I was very intimidated by those people. So I, I leaned more towards doing the business. And so I, I headed up, I was able to, in a very short amount of time, get a, get a job working in international sales. And that was a great opportunity. I also spoke German. Uh, that was my first language was German. So um, to have this international background already as a kid, um, going over to Germany when I was, you know, eight years old on my own, um, spending time with my grandparents and all my family over in Germany. Um, my, my dad, I'm an only child. So my dad would send me off over the summer and I, I'd, I'd spend four weeks with my grandmother and grandparent, grandfather. We just had a great I just had a great experience. We'd travel all around Europe and experience new things and different things. And, and I was really grateful for that. So that international experience opened up the door for me to take the work I did um, as the head of international sales for Warner Alliance. And then later after that, I was working at a, a company called Word Entertainment and then also uh, Provident Music Group. And so those were great. Those first 10 years in business were were really, really um, I was very fortunate, but I'd always had this entrepreneurial bent. And at that enti- during that entire time, it didn't help that entre- that entrepreneurial bent didn't um, it didn't help that I was listening to these books like Rich Dad Poor Dad, which uh, impacted me greatly, and The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, um, and then of course Cash Flow Quadrant. And I learned about the power of of you spending your your money wisely, understanding what is an asset, what is a liability, um, understanding that I needed to live in the business quadrant and the investor quadrants, uh, those two quadrants, rather than living in the employee and the self-employed 
uh, quadrant mindset of the way I was doing business. So I had always said to my wife, I wanted to start a business. I, I was excited about that. So after 10 years of working in Christian music, I started my own um, international licensing and distribution company, which was a, a, a real scary thing because I had a young boy who was five at the time, uh, just going into uh, kindergarten and another boy that was three, um, still in preschool. And I was home all the time and I had nothing I had no one providing for me except for my own energy and my own effort. And that was scary, but also incredibly exhilarating at the time. Ooh, you know, I think it's, you, it sounds like you had that kind of brewing in your belly for a while. You knew that you wanted to do something different and it came a point where you just had to take action, but yet there is still a risk. There's still a bit of fear. There yeah. was still the unknown. There was still, I have a family and all of the, the, the worry thoughts that can pop in when we want to take a step yeah. in another direction. So what did you do when you mm -hmm. made that pivot? Tell me about that transition. Well, I was grateful to, I knew I wanted to start my own company and I, I had a good relationship with my boss at the time um, when I was still working and, and employed by Warner Brothers. And, and I said to my boss, listen, I want to leave. Uh, there was layoffs going on. The music industry was cutting, was downsizing. Everybody, I, iTunes was just kind of becoming a thing. And the iPod was, was taking over. And very quickly, of course, the iPhone was released uh, soon after that. This was 2004. And I, I told him, I said, listen, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to do my own thing. I, you know, technology with technology then was, was really emerging. And I could create my own website and, and, and begin to service what I was doing um, through the internet. And it, I really love the idea of, of working online and, and, and connecting with people all around the world um, on my own. So I still told my boss about nine months before I was actually, um, uh, before I actually left, I told him, listen, I, I, I'd like to leave and I'd like to work on a plan to leave. And um, so we were able to work on a plan. And, and one of the best things I ever did was hire a coach, a personal coach, a business coach that could help me. And he, I hired him for three months. The three months before I left uh, Warner Brothers, I worked with this coach every week for, for 90 days. And it was one of the best things because I was able, I'm a, one of the things I didn't even know at the time, but I'm a verbal processor. I like to speak things out loud and then see if, see what sticks. So in some case, like my wife and I have a very different way of dealing with things. Like she is an internal processor. She will think about things. And then when she says something, it's like the exactly what she wants to say. When I speak, <laughs> sometimes I will say it and then it kind of, and then I'm like, oh no, that doesn't sound right. That's not what I want to do. Um, so once I kind of see it out there, um, it, it's it it changes for me and and it it's uh, been interesting that Chrissy and I had that dynamic because she would say well you just said you wanted to do this oh no I didn't really mean that I, I was just I just wanted to hear what it sounded like so that was kind of a confusing thing for us to deal with but and an amusing thing for us to deal with too but but the coach helped me because I could speak it out and then he would repeat it back to me and I would say oh no that's not that's actually not what I really want to do he helped me define what I wanted to do, how I wanted to structure my business, who my partners were going to be, what my goals were going to be, who I was going to call on day one. And we had basically, I had the first 90 days of my, of my business planned before I even left my, my work. And that was, that gave me a lot of confidence stepping into an unknown place was preparation, um, rehearsing. It was a lot of rehearsing, a lot of planning and preparing while I was still gainfully employed, I could, I could immediately step in and earn money in the first month. Um, even though it took me about two years to, to really get to, to replace my income. It took about two years, but we made it. Okay. Uh, you know, I think that's really interesting because a lot of times we think that we have to jump in 110% both feet, no looking back. And you took the time to 
to plan and to prepare. So that way, when you did step out, you were fully ready. And it wasn't just learning. It was like putting pen to paper. It was like reorganizing your life and creating new contacts and organizing what your workday would look like and all of the things that go in the back end of a business. So it seems like you were ready when it when it actually launched. Yes. Yes. And it was the best. I think I only spent $2,000 for, for those 90 days, but it was the best money, best investment anybody can make. A lot of people poo-poo coaches or might think that that working with a personal coach or a business coach is is not a good use of your money. It doesn't seem like it is. But for me, it's invaluable, invaluable. And, and uh, it did give me, it did set me off on the right, you know, uh, pace right from the very beginning. So what is the business that you started? What do you do now? My Well, the business I started then was Go Global Entertainment, and it was an international licensing and distribution company. We had, uh, we had agreements with, uh, that enabled our artists. I was working with independent artists and labels and production houses and was able to represent them. I was a middleman. I was representing their creative talent, their art, their, their CDs, their DVDs, and, and their music digitally uh, into 90 plus countries around the world. And so I was, I was taking great music and finding a home for it and, and getting a distribution royalty every single quarter from, from those sales. Now, uh, this was in 2004. So Fast forward to the end of 2008, I had built a Go Global. I had already earned about four million in revenue, uh, annual, uh, not annually, but over the course of that four years, four or five years, we had we had done about four million in revenue. So it was great for Christian music, which, by the way, that's what I was working in the Christian music field. But at the end of 2008, if you remember, in, in September, a lot of people tell their stories of what happened in 2008, and for me, one of the companies I was working with in England, they went bankrupt. So they could not pay me $50,000 that they owed me for a purchase of some product that I sh- had already shipped to them. So they, I never was paid by them. So I owed about $30,000 to one of my big clients who I was representing their content. So I was sitting there with $30,000 in debt. Not only that, but the 20000 that I wasn't going to be getting for income. Uh, so it was basically a $50,000 hit. And so I was sitting there and they were, my client was incredibly gracious. Best thing I could ever do was just tell them the truth, tell them what happened. And they worked with me and enabled me to, to go on a payment plan with them. But the best, that was one of the best things that could have happened to me that, that experience. It was, it was very scary to sit there with that much debt. Cause I was a very much a Dave Ramsey type person, no debt, did not operate with debt, kept a very you know, minimal budget so that we could could live and experience all the things that we got to experience the time that I was home with our family and with our kids. And but it was great because I it enabled me to start thinking differently about, okay, it, 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 I don't know. I don't know how this happened. I didn't really think about it this way, but I started thinking about what could happen. How can I pay this debt off? And I started thinking about the possibilities and and um, uh one of those possibilities that was right there in front of me was opening a Amazon and eBay store just to pay off the debt because I had all these relationships with clients that were producing product. What if I bought their product at a deep discount and paid them well, paid them on time, and then sold it on Amazon and eBay? And eBay was still pretty big at the time, but Amazon was really emerging, Amazon um, merchant sales. So I started selling on Amazon and eBay. And man, like after one year, we were doing about ten to fifteen thousand um, a month, especially at our peak times. Like I was shipping sometimes a hundred to two hundred orders a day uh, in December. You know, there was there was the whole month of December up through Christmas was just crazy. Right after Thanksgiving through Christmas was nuts, and um, but I loved it. It was so much fun. It was a whole new business model. I got some software that worked. I paid off that debt. The whole idea for me starting that business was just to pay off the debt. That was the goal, but ended up becoming a really good revenue producer for us in 2009, 2010. And um, it was great too, because I listened, started listening to podcasts when I was doing the shipping. So my, my day job was still doing international licensing and distribution, but my night job, 
was paying off that debt. And so I had, I turned my garage into a warehouse, into a little fulfillment center, uh, got all the supplies I needed. And we just started shipping audiobooks and CDs and books uh, and DVDs out to customers all around the world. And it was, uh, it was a kind of a great time. It was, it was, it was, I didn't like having to work so much, but I've really loved it because I got to sit there, just do manual labor. Eventually I hired people to do that work. But in the beginning I was doing manual labor and spending a lot of time just listening to podcasts, listening to anything I could get my hands on while I was selling and and shipping these products out. It was very therapeutic in a way. You know, I love that when you hit you know, you're kind of in between a rock and a hard place at that season of your life. And I think it's in those pivotal moments that we have that choice to make. Of course, we can have a little pity party and whatever for a minute, but you quickly got up and started to think in terms of solutions. You got creative. Okay, what can I do? Uh, I often say like, if, you know, in terms of thinking, I often say that if like nobody else is going to pay your bills. So what really can you do to add extra income? It, nobody cares more about it mm-hmm. than you do. And I love that you got creative quickly. So how long did you have yeah. that store open? Do you still? No, I actually sold it to my, not sold. I gave it to my, my mother-in-law and she ran it from 2013 until uh, she just finally closed the, closed the shop down. Cause it's the, the marketplace is, a little tougher, the margins are tougher, and it's not as much of an income producer um, as it was back in you know up through 2012, 2013. But what it, what enabled me to do it, um, and I didn't mind like giving that away because I'll tell you why. Because we were, I was working on some some new ventures. So when I was listening to podcasts, um, I began to be opened up to this idea and this world of online marketing, online the internet. Uh, I listened to this podcast called Internet Business Mastery. And it was these two guys talking about how they were able to quit their nine to five and be able to to create their own income through selling of courses and and um, just all kinds of, you know, content on, excuse me, online. And I was fascinated by it. So I I studied everything I could get my hands on. I bought their course. Of course, they they had a course about making courses. <laughs> so I bought that. And that's when I started getting into podcasting and realizing that podcasting was something that um, that I loved. I was very good at interviewing people. When I was actually in college, I studied television, radio, broadcast journalism. So it came very naturally to me. And um, I started to explore, you know, how how could I make this happen? Again, thinking about how can I make this happen? While at, once I had my systems in place for my eBay and Amazon business and the international sales and distribution business was kind of running its course and started to kind of fade again. People don't buy CDs anymore, not like they used to. And it's not a very profitable business for me to be in. So I, I saw the writing on the wall, saw the future. And for me, it was creating courses. So the very first uh, online website that, that I created was with my wife. She had become, at, the, at that point, she had won a Dove Award for uh, this song called Your Great Name. It's a worship song uh, that Natalie Grant released and a bunch of other people have released since then. And, and so she started her rise uh, to, to being a, a songwriter just really, really happened very fast from like 2010 to 2012. So during that time, I was also, of course, working with all these artists and these struggling artists and producers and labels, and I had gained a lot of wisdom. So we made a good team, I thought. And so we started this thing called the Music Coaches. And um, I don't think it's around anymore, but it was the, the musiccoaches.com. And we started doing webinars, weekly webinars, free webinars for people. And we gained an audience, we gained traction. I started um, adding to my email list and, and was able to start getting some clients from that. I never ended up making the course because, or the started making courses and never got to it. But I really learned my chops in doing webinars and starting to work with email lists and, and was starting to had like a thousand people on this email list. A thousand people found us just from these free webinars and from search engine optimization on our website. Um, people, people found us and, and Twitter was just kind of getting started then and Facebook was. So I really kind of got my chops wet. I didn't never made any money in that, but it was, 
it was a great experience. I did make some money. I shouldn't say that, but I never made a ton. I had some, some clients there and, and that was more of an experiment as all these other businesses were sort of running on their own. They were residual income really um, running on their own. So in, I, I, in 2012, I'm sorry, I'll just keep telling more of the story because it's all kind of interconnected. Um, in 2012, uh, as I continue to listen to podcasts, that's when I finally started my first podcast. And uh, I, did, I started two of them within a, a couple of months of each other. The first one was uh, based on something that happened to my wife. My wife in 2012 had a resurgence of Lyme disease. And with that Lyme disease, she was really just down. She couldn't walk. She couldn't do laundry. She was very, very sick. And um, she had had it 10 years previous. Um, and we had thought she was completely healed and well of that. But she started having those same symptoms come up again. And she was very pale. And, and so that's when we found the product uh, that we, we found essential oils. And we started, that's when we started a podcast. Uh, we, we, we got a membership with, uh, with this network marketing company. And I'd always told Chrissy, if you ever find a network marketing company that you love, a product that you love that works for you, I want to help you on the business side. Because I had heard from so many people about how important it was to have your own network marketing business um, so that you can learn. your. And, and, and it's true. You just learn so much about personal development and um, how, to, how business really works how life really works when you uh, work the business. It's a, it's a great personal development tool. So, so that's when we started our podcast and we, in 2012, 2013. And I, you know, that's when we used all those uh, experiences from the music coaches. And it all kind of culminated in this podcast called Faithful Wellness. Um, and we started to... Uh, People started, it was attraction marketing. People started to be attracted to us because of the unique way that we shared and, and talked about um, our love for this product. Wow, I love that. And you know, it's one thing leads to another, and that's how we consistently evolve. And you might not know the next step, and you might not have ever guessed that essential oils would be your thing, but you continue to take mm -hmm. steps. And, and the how kind of just yeah. kind of shows up. And I love that in the midst of the struggle, you look for solutions and then you continue to grow. And it sounds like you're not somebody to, yeah. to sit back and be bored, but you're like, all right, what's next? <laughs> I love that. So how long yeah, have you been yeah. with your company? Uh, we started, uh, my wife enrolled in, uh, with doTERRA in, in October of 2012. And uh, we started really sharing and doing the business in December of 2012, but and we started the podcast in January of 2013. So uh, we're about five and a half, five or so years into it. Uh, we're in our sixth year. Um, very quickly, we rose. One of the things about the podcast that that helped us so much was the ability, like I said, the attraction marketing. We we had a very simple opt-in uh, that people could opt that we gave away for free as if they gave us their email address, and um, people started finding us, and we started getting thousands of listeners every episode, um, and we found people found us from Jacksonville, Florida, and and Minneapolis, Minnesota, and California, and Maryland, and people just reached out to us and said, "Well, I'm already with." I'm already with doTERRA, but um, I love it. I love what you guys do. I love your faith-based content and um, I don't miss an episode. You know, we, we, we kind of felt like, like little mini, little mini uh, rock stars. The first convention we went to, we were, we weren't like diamonds yet. Um, the first convention we went to, but, but people were listening to us and really, really valued what we were providing. But we also found, and we weren't, I mean, we knew we would probably end up recruiting a lot of people through this and we didn't, but we didn't, didn't know how impactful we would actually be to those people until um, we would have a phone call with them. They'd reach out to us because we, we kind of put out a little, a little, um, teaser and say, Hey, if you want to join our team, we're looking for, for, for high quality people to join our team. And it wasn't, that wasn't really a big 
focus of the podcast. It was more about health and wellness and, and all of that, but we did talk about that. And so we started getting inquiries and people reaching out to us. And um, our second largest team is in Jacksonville, Florida area, Jacksonville, Orlando. And that was started as a result of this one woman contacting us who was a health coach who was ready to sign up and ready to get going. And, and we met her, um, talked to her, had a great conversation. She signed up in April of 2013. On May 10th, Chrissy went down there to teach her first class for her. And I think 18 people enrolled that day um, at the class. And it was just a huge explosion. From there, it just grew and multiplied. And the same thing happened up in Minnesota. Uh, grew and multiplied and, and countless other people found us and, and enrolled because of that. And I was grateful that we could be able to speak into their lives in that way. You know, I think it's just a testament of adding value. When you're focused on adding mm-hmm. value and helping people get better, then then everything falls into place and people come and people say yes and people follow you and they feel like they're getting to know you because you're adding value to their lives. And it sounds like you guys have been doing that with your Faithful Wellness podcast. When did you start your Courage yeah. podcast? Well, the Courage cast was started in 2016 in April and this month, um, two years ago. But but I'll tell you, there's a there's actually a whole part of that story that that is actually kind of, I think, the best part of my story. The Courage cast wouldn't exist if I didn't um, share this. OK, the. Um, in 2013, I also started uh, another podcast with, as I'm a go-getter, uh, started another podcast, but this was really just for fun. I didn't think it would turn into anything but just a good hang with one of my best friends in my neighborhood. We had moved into a new neighborhood and this other uh, guy and I, we, his name was James, we just clicked. We would hang out, he and his family and me and my family, we would hang out at the pool and we'd share ideas and just dream about things. He was an attorney. Um, and I was of course doing all the music industry stuff and I hadn't even gotten into doTERRA yet as we got to know each other. But anyway, we also found a love together for a TV show called the walking dead. All right. Have you watched the show? You know, what? I haven't actually, I see it all over Facebook, but I have not, I have not watched that show. Okay. Well, don't worry about seeing it, but um, <laughs> it's, it's like the most popular, Popular show on cable television, and um, it's all about the zombie apocalypse. Okay, so this was sort of like a little entertainment uh, thing for me, and and uh, I enjoyed it very much. Um, and so James and I started watching the show together when the when the third season uh, started again. We would just watch the show, and then about five episodes in, he had heard about a filming of the show uh, behind the scenes, and we could go and watch. We didn't think we'd be able to watch the filming, but we thought we could just go meet the actors and just kind of be in that environment. And so we had this, we went uh, and it was the, turned out to be the last day of filming for that season. And we had the most amazing time. We met like eight actors from the show and we got to watch some filming going on and, and um, you know, people sat down and had coffee with us. It wasn't like a big thing. We were just, maybe there was like 20 fans there watching um, this all happening. But we, uh, we just came back from that with on such a high that we said, we've got to do something. How can we, how can we um, capture this excitement of what we just did? And so the next week we started the Walker Stalkers podcast, because that's what they called us on the, on the set. We were kind of, we were called Walker Stalkers, James and I I were, because the walkers (laughs) are, are zombies. Anyway, Long story, long story short, the podcast was a goofy podcast of two guys sitting in my basement, but it ended up being, um, we started to get actors from the show. We started to get cast members from the show to come on our little podcast and we started getting real listeners and, and, uh, uh, we ended up, um, over once we started getting actors from the show within three months, we were the number two overall podcast in news and entertainment. Um, for a couple of weeks, oh my goodness. Uh, it was just, it was massive. Like we had 50,000 downloads for, for one of our most popular episodes and it was just crazy. Uh, the fan base and the, 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 the energy from, from all of this. And so we started, um, also we wanted to meet our fans cause we wanted, we had a lot of listeners and we, we did a meetup for the end of season three 
And then we, uh, so we had about a hundred people there and it was great. We just all met up, watched the episode, had a couple of uh, actors there. Then we um, scheduled a meetup for the premiere, which was six months uh, in advance. And that sold out within minutes. Uh, we sold 600 tickets. And um, during the off season, James and I started brainstorming about creating a convention. So long story short, we, uh, start, we, we set a date for a potential convention and we thought, oh, we'll have like a thousand people there, 1500 people there and meet a few actors and it'll be great. Well, it turned into a much bigger thing than that. We did a Kickstarter campaign. We, we ended up uh, risking our, both of our mortgages to be able to put this convention center convention together. We reserved the uh, America's Mart convention center in Atlanta because that's where most of the fan base uh, was living. And uh, that's where all the filming goes on and actors are. So we did it in Atlanta. We reserved the Westin Hotel. We booked the entire Westin Hotel up. And, uh, you know, we were on the line for like half a million dollars um, putting this event together. It was really scary. I tried to quit three times, um, but James kept talking me out of it. So it was great to have a partner and a buddy in this because I don't think I would have ever done this alone. Never would I have done this alone. And um, anyway, the event on November third, 1st uh, through the 3rd, of 2013 had uh, 11,000 people at it. Wow. It was absolutely massive, massive, 40 actors, every, it was like a fan's dream. Like we, we just wanted to create what we had experienced a year late, a year earlier. We wanted to experience that. And it ended up being this massive thing with 300 volunteers. And we made a lot of mistakes ends up um, that this is now the largest touring convention um, in the world. So uh, it's Walker something you're Stalkers still doing. And, uh, no, 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 I am not. Why do I keep, <laughs> why do I keep selling things and putting things off? Well, the reason I'm not doing it is because my wife hates the show. My wife cannot stand zombies. And, um, and uh, to be very serious, I brought this stuff home with me, you know, all this gore and I'm not even a horror person, but I brought all these like memorabilia and, and things home. And it was like, it was getting very, um, negative in our house. Chrissy and I were just not on the same page. You know, financially, it was a, a struggle at first. Why are we doing this? You know, we had a growing uh, a doTERRA business. You know, we had thousands of people on our team at that point. Um, and we had her songwriting was going great. I still had Go Global going on a little bit. Um, you know, why am I doing this? You know, why am I doing this podcast now convention? Never thought I'd be a convention promoter. But it was yeah. So anyway, it was a very quick rise and a quick explosion of growth. And um, the next year, 2014, we had four conventions and wow. it started to become very profitable. Um, and in 2015, uh, beginning of 2015, we had planned to do, I think, 10 conventions that year in different cities, San Francisco, Chicago, um, Boston, Orlando, um, Denver, just all these different excuse me, all these different cities, Dallas. Um, but uh, it was getting to the point where I had taken my daughter, my five-year-old daughter to one of the conventions and she went, came home. We were already fighting. My wife and I we were fighting tremendously about all of this stuff and all the pressure um, and all the stress that it was causing. Um, and then I was bringing all this horror stuff home and it wasn't, you know, like memorabilia and things. And she was just not, we were in a good, we were not in a good place. Um, and my, my daughter uh, came back from that convention and she started having strong fear issues. Like she was really, really scared. She couldn't sleep by herself. She couldn't even go to school anymore. She was that bad. She kept crying all day long and she had just started kindergarten, but this was now, you know, November, December uh, of 2014. And we had to pull her out of school. She just could not, it was just the teacher couldn't handle it. And we pulled her out of school and we homeschooled her that you know, second half of the year. And uh, she went through some counseling and it was kind of learned that that was a, uh, a, a direct result of some trauma. She had seen some things at the convention. People were, you know, they dress up as zombies and there's blood and gore, you know, um, it's, it's a, it's, believe it or not, it's a family friendly event, but it was just too much for our five-year-old, very sensitive. And that was the final straw. So my wife, said to me, you know what, Eric, you can keep doing this with your Walker soccer friends and all of that, but I'm taking my family. I'm, I'm out of here. The, the kids, uh, me, I'm out of here. If, if you want to keep doing this, that's fine, but, but I'm done. 
And so um, that was the breaking point for me. I, I knew I needed to make some decisions, some different decisions. And um, I ended up uh, selling my half of the convention and the podcast. I ended up quitting the podcast. I ended up, you know, all of that. And we immediately went into some serious counseling and, um, you know, it was a lot of healing. But the Courage Cast um, was a result of about a year and a half of going through some self-evaluation and some real deep look at, okay, what am I doing? How did I get here? What caused all of this? How did Chrissy and I get here? And, and we, we just went through a really, really difficult time of just kind of un, unpacking all of the stress and, and uh, uh, just overwhelm that we were in. And, uh, you know, in April or May of 2016 is where we really finally started to see things break through. And the Courage Cast is a combination of um, talking about fear because I learned so much going through this process with the Walker Stalkers that I never would have been able to, I, I realized I could do so much more than I really thought was ever possible. Both in my doTERRA business, we hit Diamond, which is uh, a pretty top rank in doTERRA in 13 months. Um, we did this Walker Stalkers podcast, went from nothing to you know, 11,000 people to the first convention. Now there's 70,000 people come to the Atlanta convention every year. Um, and FanFest, which is the company name now, is in the top 200 of the of Inc. 500. Now wow. um, has a $50 million valuation. But anyway, it's, uh, it's absolutely crazy what can be accomplished. And, and, um, and so I, I tell my story on the Courage Cast podcast. I tell my story, but I tell my experiences. I tell share wisdom, all from a faith-based perspective. Um, so it, it's really meant to encourage. And I have guests like yourself who are very inspiring, um, who challenge me. And, and I always want to be in a place of growth and development. Um, but in the midst of all of that, I, I want to make sure that I'm keeping what's supposed to be the main thing, the main thing in my life, um, which is my relationship with Christ. Wow, lots of transitions and lots of pivoting and lots of, okay, this isn't working anymore. What do I need to do next? And it sounds mm -hmm. like when you did that together with your family, you were able to take steps in the, in, in the right direction together. But it yes. does start with that communication, doesn't it? Absolutely. It really, really does. And we realized that one of our biggest problems was communication. I told you earlier, I'm a verbal processor. She is an internal processor. And that is where our wires get crossed right there is one of those things. It's like there's a lot of assumptions being made about what I say or do. And, and that's not exactly what I mean. And so I had to deal with a lot of just communication ear um, problems. Interestingly enough, because I, I took the, the Dale Carnegie human relations and uh, public speaking course, right? You'd think that, that, uh, that I'd be able to communicate, but it does take two to communicate well. And it takes listening uh, uh, more than it takes um, talking to really have good communication, I think. Well, and I, I know too, it also is communicating in a way that they hear. Because <laughs> sometimes we feel like we're doing a great job, but yet it's not perceived that way. So when you guys were going through the, the evolution, the, the, you know, you stopped a thriving business in the midst of it thriving, which I have to say, your Walker Stalkers experience is like an amazing example of finding a niche and creating community. And like everybody wants to be a part of it. I love that. Um, but when yeah. you said, when you let go of that and you said, okay, I have to pivot and it's time to change. What are some of the biggest aha moments you had throughout those, those growth years? Yeah. Well, I, um, I learned that um, I need to stop saying yes to everyone. And I started analyzing why was I saying yes all the time? Um, some of it was fear of missing out. Some of it was I didn't want to miss out on some fun and I might as well just go for it. Um, I, I learned that, um, that I, sh I can never let someone else rule my life. I gave, I basically with my partnership with James, um, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just keeping moving forward. I was, but I was letting him, I was letting him make decisions for my family. I was allowing him and, and, um, and his dream to, um, 
to rule what I was, how I was spending my time. It, it not only, but it, it would have been fine if it had just been me. I, I was willing to make that sacrifice, but my family, my wife was not willing to make that sacrifice. She didn't know what she was getting into. She didn't know what I was getting her into. And, and, and I didn't stop and take her seriously enough when she gave me those red flags, when, you know, your, your spouse is there for you to, to speak into your life. I, I think my, my wife has a tremendous amount of wisdom, tremendous amount of insight and intuition to, um, you know, to, to a discernment to know what is right, what is wrong. And, I, you know, gosh, darn it. I'm an only child. And, and, you know, I never had anybody speak that into me. I was pretty much, you know, I made my own decisions. It was all, it was all good, but having to work with a partner who thinks differently and, and, and wants different things, you, you got to make sure that you're always communicating. Uh, I needed to make sure that I'm always communicating what my intentions are, what my dreams are, what, uh, and making sure that we're in line and in step with each other, supporting one another, or else it can be a train wreck like my life was at the beginning of 2015. So what does your family look like now? And what does your uh, life we, look like now? Uh, yeah, you know, we, we had about two years of really tough times. It was a lot of things that, um, it actually got worse before it got better. Uh, we, uh, you know, we, we had lots of arguments about, um, about stuff that happened a long time ago, even before all this started things that Chrissy had been carrying. Um, and things that that uh, that I was carrying uh, baggage from from things that that happened with with her that I just sort of stuffed away. So we we had to unpack that. We went through a tremendous amount of counseling and coaching. But the breakthrough for me was the coaching that I I finally got back into working with a coach who helped me to to not um, and this time it was a woman and she was very tough very tough, more tough than my other coach was 10 years before. She was tough. She wouldn't let me get away with things. She would not let me um, put on a, uh, a fake, um, you know, she really asked me questions and probed why was I doing the things I was doing? Not in a judgmental way, but just in a, is this really lining up with the vision that you have for yourself? She, she taught me how to have a vision and go for that vision and act in line with that vision um, rather than let someone else determine my vision, which is what I had been doing. I had even been letting my wife determine my vision. You know, I, I, you, you heard many times in my story how I uh, just went with what was working for her. I would support her and, and saw that as a way for us to, to kind of work together. And um, so it, it was all about determining my vision and acting in, and, and um, speaking in, in line with how I wanted that vision to play out in my life. So how is my family now? We are still married. We are uh, very happily married. We communicate way better than we did. Um, uh, we still have some rough spots like any marriage does, but we, we it does not go, it does not blow up into something that it, sh that it, that is, bigger than it should. We've, we've healed a lot of the wounds from the past. And when we have, we still need to learn how to communicate and listen for, um, we need to listen out of curiosity, listen for understanding of one another rather than um, uh, listen for um, maybe like I, one of the things that we used to do a lot was when we would talk it was almost like we didn't hear the other person talk. We already assumed they had a bad intention. And even no matter when either one of us said something, it was almost like it didn't matter what we said. It was already decided that we were that, you know, that, that I had a bad motivation. So we had to kind of start to listen out of, to just get curious with one another and, and believe that what that person was saying was actually really what they intended to say and what they really meant, if that makes any sense. So we, we listen a lot more to one another now than, than, um, than talk. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think when you're walking on eggshells or it feels like you have a bit of resentment buildup, then no matter what the other person says, you kind of respond with that resentment first. And once the healing happens, then so many walls are broken down and your heart is opened and then you can learn to communicate and even trust each other again. Yes. Yes. And we are so blessed. I mean, in the midst of that, we were experiencing tremendous growth financially, tremendous growth in our relationship with our kids. Um, I've been blessed to be able to stay home with my kids for their entire, like, since they've been, my son was five and my other son was three. And now my daughter who's nine. Um, I've always been here. I've always been able to determine my own schedule and it wouldn't be because it wouldn't be if it wasn't for um, all of these uh, business ventures and things that 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 I developed um, with the residual income, et cetera. But um, but even it just goes to show you um, sometimes when you're home all the time, that's where things you know business mixes with uh, personal, and sometimes those boundary lines were 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 overstepped and have been overstepped. I mean, we work together in business, we work together at home, we we you know we raise these children together and. Um, sometimes it's really, really important that you set those clear boundaries. I like that you go out on dates with your husband. Um, you have set intentional times with your, with your family. And that's really one of the other things I've really learned is how to separate business from personal and, and be able to have those intentional, um, times, uh, with, with the family. It's an, you are a serial entrepreneur, you know, and so I can see as a goal getter, you're focused and moving and, and think everybody's kind of following you and on the same page as you and you look back and they're not. <laughs> it takes a minute <laughs> to slow yourself down yep. and say, okay, let's, let's do this together. What is life going to look like? So what is your new, your new vision? Well, we are, uh, we are headed straight for the next two ranks in doTERRA. And that's, that's one of the main things I'm, I'm trying to focus on one thing and one thing only. And that is our work with doTERRA. I have a few other consulting commitments that I took on that I'm going to be finishing up this summer. Uh, but then after that, uh, it is gung ho with, um, with our, with our doTERRA business, uh, we've got about six or 7,000 people in our organization and I work with some amazing leaders. Um, and the interesting thing is they're all women. Um, but I work with, uh, a lot of the women now are bringing their husbands home or beginning to bring their husbands home. So, um, the, the more I can help them and the more I can help them achieve their dreams and goals, um, in their, in their businesses, uh, the, the more we're going to succeed, of course. So it's really about just having the time to invest in in those people, uh, and that's what I'm looking forward to doing in in, um, in this year. So we have a pretty big goal for for this year, which is the next uh, next highest rank um, in with Blue Diamond, and then uh, next year is presidential. But one time, one one uh, ninety day period at a time. So. Right. Um, And I love you said one thing, focus on one thing, do it well, and create momentum in that area. Whereas previously, you had lots of businesses going and you were a jack of all trades and you were working, um, you know, working at both ends because you were in, in getting up early and staying up late and all of those things. And so now it seems like you're balancing your family, balancing your time and focusing to create that momentum. That's right. It's the best thing you can do. Now, I've got a few more questions for you. One question is, it's, you said this, the Courage Cast would not have been created if it weren't through for the struggle and the mud that you guys walked through. Um, yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, because if I hadn't have gone through the the excitement and the, uh, the, the, if I hadn't have been able to do that with the Walker stalkers, if that hadn't happened, then I would not be able to tell someone that, that virtually anything that you dream to do is possible. Um, because it, being around James, he is a high D type of person. And so being around people like that, who are drivers and go-getters and just make it happen, are relentless in their pursuit and almost reckless sometimes in their pursuit. I saw the kind of 
action that was required to be able to um, do what we did in, in a very short amount of time with the Walker Stalkers. Um, uh, like I said, I, I did way more than I ever thought was possible with this. I mean, we had Rolling Stone magazine and MTV and CNN coming and, and uh, you know, it just, it's crazy the type of press and, and um, you know, the, the whole experience was just, just incredible. It was everything that I had sort of dreamed of when I was sitting there in my listening to podcasts about internet business mastery and creating, uh, creating community, creating um, and developing relationships with people and being an influencer. And that's, that's all of that was able to be possible if it wasn't for the Walker Stalkers. Now, the downside of that was it was the how I did that. It was the how I did that. It, it wasn't the what, it, but it was really the how I did that that got me into trouble. So I'm very vulnerable on the podcast about my mistakes and the mistakes I continue to make. Um, I, you know, I was very vulnerable on the Courage Cast um, it, when I shared about the fact that I that I realized I was lying a lot of the time, that I was not, uh, th- that I was lying almost to myself. Like I didn't even realize what I was hiding from Chrissy because I didn't want her to, to know, um, that I was, you know, spending even more time on the Walker stalkers kind of behind the scenes. I didn't want her to know I was editing another podcast or doing another interview. And so I would kind of do these things behind her back when she was out writing or doing things like that. Um, and it was just wrong. So there was just a lot of moral things that I talk about on the courage cast, having the courage to admit when you do things like that, when, when you are wrong is so, so important. It's really important to live an honest, truthful life, not just in front of others, but to yourself on the inside. What matters, what goes on on the inside in your head and your heart is absolutely critical to creating a life that is, that is so rich. It's not about even money at that point. It's just about living a rich life um, where you're at peace with yourself and you're at peace with others. Um, I talk about those things. I talk about what I struggle with, what I'm working on, um, what inspires me. Um, it, just anything that comes my way, I, I am quick to get on the Courage Cast, even if it has to be from my phone driving in the car and it's a thought that I just can't get out of my head and I will just record it. Um, and then I'll put it on the podcast. And it's very raw and real, almost journal-like. Um, but I'm hopeful that when I'm vulnerable and honest with others, that they can see a little bit of themselves in me and uh, recognize and realize that they're, they're going to be okay and that they can do it. They can do more than they think they could. Um, if they just, if they just live towards that truth and go for peace in their heart and their head. Mm, That's beautiful. Who would you say mentors you today? It sounds like you've had lots of mentors, business coaches, but then business partners and people who've influenced you. Who do you look to for influence now? Well, I'm really looking for a mentor in my business right now. That's something I'm missing right at this moment, to be, to be honest. Um, in the meantime, I am uh, seeking out mentors through books I read and um, conversations I have, like I had with you on Tuesday. Um, just, I, I'm reading like crazy. I'm reading scripture. I'm reading um, just books. I, I've, I have about 30 books that I have yet to get to. So I'm devouring um, these things and trying to glean as much as I can from those. Um, and they're my mentors right now. They're my virtual mentors. They sit on my uh, board of directors, my own personal board <laughs> of directors. Uh, but the people that are there a lot, I refer back to Dave Ramsey quite a bit. Dave is uh, the what he's built through uh, financial peace and through his company, I, I've studied him and he definitely sits on my board, not just on my financial, not my CFO only. He's, he's also a, a, a great CEO mentor. So he would be definitely one of those people. But I'm looking for a business mentor that I can meet with on a regular basis. Um, more than a coach, I'm looking for someone who's doing what I'm doing. There's very few guys that are in our business. I don't know about it works, but I know there are a few guys um, in mine um, that, that really do it well and, and will make the time for me. 
Um, what would you say has been one of the best books that you've read throughout your journey? Uh, I talk about all these books, right? And I can't think of one. Um, I will say that one of the best books currently uh, is the book Exponential by Dave Ferguson. Uh, he is actually a church planter, but he is very entrepreneurial minded. And it's all about raising up leaders and multiplying leaders of leaders. So if you want to be a leader of leaders, read the book Exponential. Um, it's powerful. He has one thing in there that that I refer to a lot these days. And, and it's really just about uh, transferring uh, transferring and discipling other people one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. one of the things I do really well is I, I'm great at speaking to large groups, speaking um, principles and, and um, you know, uh, methodology and teaching into large groups. But what I don't do as well is sitting one-on-one -on -one with one leader at a time. And so the book challenges me to, when I'm teaching a class, to make it sure that I always have someone that's my disciple or my somebody that I'm mentoring with me when I'm teaching a class. It doesn't really, our business is about duplication, right? And I've got to be able to duplicate what I do into other people. And so I have to make it simple. I have to make it clear, but I have to have somebody there with me. And um, I love this principle of there's five steps to discipleship or five steps to leadership, multiplying leadership. The first step is I do, you watch, and then we talk. So I'm, I'm teaching the class. Uh, the person that I'm discipling is just watching me teach the class. And then we talk about it afterwards. What, what went well? Did you notice this happened? I said this. You, you know why I said this? And we just talk about it. The second thing is I do, you help, and then we talk. So you begin to take on a little bit more of the responsibility but not the whole responsibility. Like I'll still probably close, but they might teach in the middle. The third is they teach, I help you, then we talk. So, so they teach, I help, we talk. So I'm just helping with part of it. They teach the majority of it. Maybe I'll help with the close or some other part. Um, and then we talk about it. And then the fourth time, they teach, I watch, we talk. So I don't have any part to do in it other than observe and talking about it afterwards to kind of tweak some things. And then the fifth time um, they teach and someone else watches. So I've handed off the baton and they have now are working on mentoring their next person through. And so then the baton's passed and the circle is completed. And, and that's really what mentorship and discipleship and leadership is, is all about. So mm -hmm. I love that. Book. Yeah, that's that's duplication at its core is really raising somebody else up to do what you do. Yeah. So one yeah. last question, and this is kind of silly, but I'm so intrigued that you worked in the music industry for so long um, because there are so many people I love there. Uh, so who's been like, what's the coolest Christian artist meeting that you <laughs> have had? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have met a lot of them. I, um, you know, the movie that just came out called I Can Only Imagine with Mercy Me as mm -hmm. kind of the story uh, behind it. So I've worked a lot with Bart Millard and Mercy Me. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, I worked with Six Pension, None the Richer and Michael W. Smith, uh, Amy Grant, um, just all of those kind of well-known Jackie Velasquez, those artists um, over the years, Tammy Trent, who's from Michigan um, as well. Um, but probably the funniest interaction I've ever had with an artist, because I, I, I took a lot of these artists overseas. So I would travel with them to Europe and we would spend, you know, a week touring places together. Um, and so we'd always have some great experiences just doing stuff like that. But um, the funniest experience I had was backstage when my wife finally got to meet her hero, Amy Grant. She got to meet Amy Grant and we were about to meet her and she was just standing there, you know, meeting and greeting with everybody behind and backstage. And Amy Grant turns to Chrissy and, and, and me and she goes, Hey, I thought this, is this your dad? Like she thought Chrissy was like my daughter. So that was the <laughs> first funny thing. And then, 
And then we laughed. It's, but Chrissy started talking to her about how much Amy meant to her. And Amy got this like thing in her throat. Like she just started coughing and it just got worse and worse and worse. Like she kept coughing and coughing and she tried to listen, but she just kept coughing. And Chrissy never got to do like, never got to tell got a word in to her at all. And, oh, and that was shoot. her only time that she got to meet <laughs> Amy Grant. So I've got to figure out how we can get her to uh, meet her again somehow. And I've honestly, a dream is for her to write with her. So she's, yeah, she's, she's happen. a pro writer. Chris, Chris is a pro writer. Yeah, I think it will. It will. It will. will. Well, Mm. thank you so much, Eric, for sharing your story with us. I mean, you are truly a go-getter. You're a serial entrepreneur. You're opportunist, meaning it seems like you always have your eyes open to what's next and what's coming. And and you've learned so many things along your, your journey. I think being mentored by your dad and participating in that event when you were just 16 to hanging around the successful music industry and seeing that these are just normal people too who have big dreams and big goals mm-hmm. and work oh, hard. Yeah. It's really helped to shape you and, and not just shape you, but shape how you relate to others because you know that ev- anything is truly possible. And, and I love that your mission is to kind of cast that belief and vision into your audience and into your team. So oh, where can thanks, we Denise. find you? Um, definitely check, check out the Courage Cast. Are you on Facebook, Instagram? Yes, you can find uh, the Courage Cast on Facebook. You can find um, you can go to our website, courageouscommunity.com. Um, that's the place to plug in. Everything is there, and and you can just uh, connect to all the different ways to to connect with the community. We have a pretty thriving Facebook group. We've got about uh, two thousand in the Facebook group. So people just being courageous and doing the same things that I'm doing. So it's fun. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. And I know that whatever goal you set for yourself, you are going to hit it. And you're not going to hit it this time, leaving your family behind you. You're going to hit it thriving with everybody like locking arms and doing it together. And I'll be following your journey on that as well. Amen. Thanks, Denise. That's what I want. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening today. Head over to denisewalsh.com. Enter your email to subscribe to our list. And I'll be sending out an early bird special coupon. 50% off, in fact, of the Dream Life Workbook when it is launched in just a few months. So if you want to have first dibs, let's get your name on that list. Thanks again. I so appreciate you. And remember to dream big. 